This week on Rock and Roll Grad School, we are together alone with Sarah Borges. Sarah is known a lot for her work with her band, The Broken Singles. This is a solo record, something a little bit different. We talk with her about that, about pandemic, and of course, cruising. That's Rock and Roll Grad School, available right now wherever you get your podcasts, rockandrollgradschool.com. Why is recorded in front of a live studio audience? How do you feel about Wordle? I've never once opened it. Okay. I, I feel like I need to make a public service announcement. To get people to stop posting about it and what their yes. score is because it means yes. nothing to me and I hate it. Yes. Well, it's just like, I, you know, there's so many words I can use in a sentence and you don't see me tugging on the hem of your shirt going like, do you want to see something? Do you want to see something? Well, we didn't post our daily Loodle scores when we were no. doing that. It, well, and that would have been way, way better. I am killing it in Loodle. Oh, see, my attention's bad. I got bored. Hmm. Which of our Maybe listeners... I should go back to it. So I you should. You myself. definitely should. For our listeners, Loodle, L-E-W-D-L-E, is the um, rude word version of uh, Wordle. And we're quite good at it. We are good at it. I just... I. We've never been stumped. I, there's a couple times and there's always like a double letter in it where I'm like, well, okay, how am I supposed to know you're saying, you know, like, right. I'm trying to think of a good example, but like Bukaki, how am I supposed to get that? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's two K's. Come on. Right. This is why with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. I don't go to the park and scream out for strangers to watch me on the swings. <laughs> Maybe I should. You should do that. I would be, that would be our first TikTok. Is yeah. you on the swings. <laughs> Look how high I can go. <laughs> Who wants to give me an underdog? <laughs> I just, uh, I have other things, you know. Oh, I do too. I get it. You're smart in this one particular thing. Game. Yeah. Half-ass game. I don't know. But do you know anyone who runs the BDSM B&B? Which, by no, the way, just using all the letters is <laughs> I love. I mean, that's a and b I would actually stay at because I don't like B&Bs. Yes, this sounds... Um, I guess their website's amazing. It's going to be a great conversation. It's going to be awesome. I can't and, believe it. Because there's like, so I guess, um, Mistress Kathleen, let me pull this up now so we can discuss this while we wait. There's the, yes. inner, the inner sanctum <laughs> suite, which seems like something you'd be into. There's a, it's a four poster bed with a lot of like canopies and curtains and stuff. Of course. Uh, wet, yeah. Wet bar, fireplace, private patio, indoor heated pool. Yeah. This is. All yeah. That's, you. that's my suite. That's a thousand percent. Yeah. Oh, your stay inclo- includes the enjoyment of Libertine Hall. Our 800 square foot play space where you will find dot 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 more than you've likely imagined. Well, that's I, just insulting. In I know <laughs> it is, but I do love that they called it the routine. It, oh, that shows an, that they're like of our ilk. Yeah, no, there's an erotic art gallery. There we go. Also fantastic. Special dressing area. Lovely. Also lovely. Um, optional medical play zone. Oh, that. No. It's not a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Suspension rig suitable for any number of special ed workout activities, which is right. outfitted with a yoga swing. There we go. Oh, look at that. Massage table, bondage wall. Gener- they thought of everything. Yeah. Motor bunny. And like I said, more than you've likely ever imagined. Okay. This is great. How, 
ever. There's no reference to, let me see here, scroll down. Yeah, no sex piano benches. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And then they also have a gorgeous custom-built cage on locking casters and featuring purple heartwood trim and can sleep two with an upper and lower deck, each with a single bed. We're fancy here, after all. Right. Yeah. Okay. Here's other gear. Um, yeah. No, the Libertine Hall looks lovely. Right. I Ooh, just this, think... This pool looks amazing. The pool. I mean, come on yeah. now. It's... I also like the let's make memories on fit for social media. <laughs> I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. That's like their that's logo is be. good. The pool is amazing. So were you always a big sports fan or was it just always baseball was your thing? Um, I grew up just loving to play sports. Um, you know, I grew up in Texas. So in elementary school, I was the only girl at recess playing football with the boys. Um, I was taller than everyone cause I hit my growth spurt pretty early, but I still wouldn't get past the ball, unfortunately. So I, you know, was always frustrated going home from like third grade and my mom's like, why are you crying about this? You know? <laughs> um, but I, I played, you know, every sport I could, uh, whether it was football at recess or organized sports like basketball and and soccer, volleyball, tennis. I mean, you name it. Um, I was playing it. And so I always had sports as my constant growing up, but I really wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, and it wasn't until high school that I realized I was pretty freaking awful at science, like so bad, had to go to tutoring, like teachers were concerned and then pretty bad at math too. It was like, man, being a vet is not going to work out for me. Yeah. You're Um, over two. Yeah. Right. Like those are two key components of, you know, being a science. Yeah. Right. So I was like, maybe I need to rethink the, the career goals. So I, uh, I was lucky enough to jump on a broadcast with my grandfather when I was 15 and, um, called a women's basketball game and, and realized that, Hey, you know, I can, I can talk about what I've been playing for, for years and, and really have fun with it. And so ever since then it's, it's blossomed into broadcasting and then evolved into baseball. So did you grow up a Cowboys and Astros fan? Definitely. Or do you not, not like to fan. mention this? Can you, <laughs> are you allowed to contract? I am. Yes. Uh, I grew up a Texas Rangers fan and, and I still am one. Um, I, you know, that's the team that I've followed and had my heart broken with the world series losses. Um, and yeah, I, you know, the Cowboys give me a few more years. Maybe I'll, I'll jump back on the ba- bandwagon, but um <laughs> You know, we'll see. But definitely the Texas Rangers, uh, definitely more so than the Astros. <laughs> so no matter how much you love a sport or, or have played a sport, being able to actually announce a sport is a whole different set of talents. So that first time you were there with your grandpa, how, did, how, how about quickly did it take you to get your stride or was it just natural that you knew exactly what to do right out of the gate? Um, I think that, well, I mean, for that first game, my grandfather says I talked the whole time. I don't remember it that time because I was also a shy kid. And so I think that it was the fact that I knew what was going on in, in front of me. And I think that it was, it was better that it was basketball. And that was really my, my sport that I played growing up through high school and, uh, and would have played collegiately, but bad knees. Um, so I think that helped. And so I already knew the language to it. Um, and I had, 
listened to my grandfather for years tell me about broadcasting and you know if if we were sitting and watching a, a baseball game or whatever game and the broadcaster said something he would make his own remarks about what was said and that sort of thing so I I already knew in the back of my head I was like okay Emma you better say the score you better say that score and so I already had those little basics that I could kind of go back to and, and remember oh well he he wants the score more often and that sort of thing. So I think that that helped that it was my sport and, you know, I had my grandfather right next to me to kind of remind me of certain things. And I'm assuming you broadcasted during college and you practiced and all of that. Is that correct? Yeah. And then you, so what was that like when calling your first game when you, you don't have the familial connection to bail you out? Um <laughs> that pressure of it. What, what, what was that like? Um, it was, it was different. It was a, a Missouri volleyball game. I remember that. And I remember thinking, I was like, you know what, it's, it's kind of crazy because now I'm in a different state. I'm at, you know, I was calling division three with him. Now I'm calling division one and it's the university of Missouri. It's a much bigger scale. And I was like, you know what, if I don't love it anymore, you know, that's it. Like this will be a good make or break moment. And I settled in and I just loved it even more. You know, I, I just thought, I was like, you know what, it's a bigger stage. This arena is huge. And I, I just love how I was able to kind of make that transition. And at the same time, I'm still 18 years old. Um, so I, you know, still had that fire and that passion to still do it without my grandfather there being like, all right, are you going to sign up for games and that sort of stuff? So when I realized that I, I still had that drive away from, away from him and everything, I was like, all right, this is, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm going to do for my life. Is there a sport that you absolutely refuse that you would never want to announce for? <laughs> no, I I'm open to anything. I'm actually calling my first ever hockey game next month. Um, I'm petrified. Um, <laughs> and I've been watching a lot of other hockey games and doing research on certain things and, you know, getting ready for it. Um, but, but no, I, I don't think I would ever say no to anything. I would say no to, you know, being thrown right into it. I would like to do some research yeah. and preparation, but um, no, I I'm down to do really any sport because, you know, they're all fun in their own ways. And uh, to be able to, to relay that to the audience would be awesome. You said that your grandfather always mentioned, you got to announce the score on a regular basis. What are some of the other things that you feel like to be a good broadcaster, you need to do every time to make the game enjoyable for somebody watching or, or listening? Um, I, I think a lot of it comes back to the descriptiveness of, of what you're talking about. Um, you know, because anyone can say, you know, pitcher fires into the catcher, but you know, there's so much more to unpack there, right hand or left-handed pitcher. What's the, is he setting up on the first base side of the rubber or on the third base side? Where is he setting? Is he setting his hands at his chest or his at his belt? Um, you know, is, where is his arm slot? Where's that delivery? Is it over the shoulder three quarter slot, or is he a, a submarine pitcher? Um, you know, I think it's those little things that when you sit back and whether you're driving and listening or you're sitting on your back porch and having a, a summer cocktail and you have the radio on, well, you can't see what's in front of you unless the broadcaster tells you. So, um, he really hammered home the descriptiveness of, of what you're relaying to your audience, um, and then it was little things like, you know, the word get, you can replace any verb in the dictionary with get or other way around, replace get with any verb to make it that much more descriptive. So it's not the outfielder gets there to make the catch. It's the outfielder sprints in. It's the outfielder slides on his pockets and makes the, the incredible catch. It's little things like that that makes it 
so much more accessible for the, the listener to see it in their own mind's eye to be more part of the action um, than just, you know, talking about the basics of what's going on. There's also the thing you always hear about certain announcers that they're homers, that it comes through and the where do you fall on that? Do you feel like as an announcer for the Portland Sea Dogs that you need to be pro Sea Dogs? Because if you listen to Red Sox games, that announcer is ready to jump off the Tobin Bridge anytime they lose. Um, I I try to be God bless Jerry Castiglione, but I mean, he's, <laughs> right. or Joe, sorry. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I love Joe. Um, no, I, I think for me, though, I try to be cognizant of, of both sides, um, especially whenever we're at home and, and it's an MILB TV game. And um, that's the only way to watch the game is, you know, our fans aren't the only ones tuning in. It's the, the parents of the opposing pitcher and that sort of thing. So um, I try to be cognizant of the fact of there's more than just Sea Dogs and Red Sox fans watching and listening. But at the same time, I mean, this is the team I see day in and day out. I'm, 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 I'm going to know more information about our guys, which might make me sound more of a homer, but that's just because, you know, at the end of the day, I am, you know, I work for the Portland Sea Dogs. This, this is a team I, I ride countless hours on the buses with and, uh, and get to see their development day to day. Um, you know, I might see opposing teams and see, oh, this, you know, this guy had a little bit of a struggle against us last month, but has hit three home runs off of us this series and has really, you know, increased his power numbers. I can say that about them, but I can't get into the nitty gritty as I could with the, with our own team. How often do you know in your like heart, what, what play is going to come next or what's going to happen next? I think that's the beauty of baseball. You don't really ever know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, aside from strategic things like, you know, runner on second and, you know, your guy might put down a bunt, but at other times too, Oh, they might be swinging for the fences and and trying to put one over the wall. Um, So, you know, sometimes by the end of the season, you might know what pitches, uh, you know, certain pitches are going to throw, you know, especially in a three, two count or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I try and sit back and, and not really expect anything that way. I'm ready for anything. Um, and you can sit back and call it as it is and not sound disappointed if, you know, mentally you're thinking, oh, he's going to try and put down a drag bunt and he doesn't. And now you're just mad at yourself for <laughs> thinking the wrong thing. Right. You, know, you don't have to you don't have to dwell on that if you have really no expectations of what's going on. Announcers always talk about the amount of work they have to put in before the game. And I always wonder what that consists of, apart from learning how to pronounce everyone's name correctly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll the preparation for just the broadcast alone. And and it looks different um, as a minor league broadcaster too, because we're not just a broadcaster, but um, for me, really for any sport uh, before a game, I'll take both rosters and I will Google each player. Um, The internet is a wonderful place. And so I will look up, I'll tab over to the news and look up recent articles about them. And typically, you know, find big games and everything like that. Um, the athletic is a great resource that I have found for minor league baseball coverage, um, these days, as well as MILB.com. So I'll find an article, um, a little tidbit and I'll copy and paste it into a word document and each player will have their own page and it's, you know, copy and paste from the Boston globe and I'll have the author and, and the publication there too. So I give credit where credit is due if I bring it up in the broadcast. Um, and so each player will have a page I'll print them all out. And I put it in a binder. And because I'm old school, I, I do not trust computers one bit. Um, so I put them in the binder. Um, they're in uh, numerical order uh, just because I can easily see the number on their back. 
because um, sometimes they don't have nameplates. So numerical order, I can easily switch to number 22, Ryan Fitzgerald. Well, he started an in independent ball. And then if I'm talking about him and, you know, he has the best walk-up song and I can see all these fans bobbing their heads as he walks up, you know, I can quickly jot down with my pen, you know, walk-up song really gets the crowd moving and, and grooving. I can remember to maybe bring that up while we're on the road to help people remember him. Um, so, so that's it. I also have, you know, Baseball America, uh, the Prospect Handbook with me and, and a bunch of different books um, as well to help out. But it's a lot of Googling and a lot of researching and then talking to the players too is very helpful. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. How much interaction, if any, have you had with the other broadcasters within the Red Sox network? Obviously, like we mentioned, Joe Castiglione, but you know, Jerry Remy recently passed away and everybody speaks so highly of his skill at, at analyzing a game. Have you gotten to talk with some of these guys and learn their various tricks of the trade? Yeah, I actually um, was on the air for an inning with with Joe on WEI um, for my first game at Fenway. Actually, I was just going as a fan and um, the organist who is incredible, uh, you know, introduced me to Joe and Joe's like, why don't you just come on the air with me in the third inning? And so I was on with him and Sean McDonough and I still have to pinch myself because that was still just the most surreal and amazing experience I've ever had. Um, you know, this morning, even I, I was uh, at a local chamber event for the city of Portland and um, got to meet Tom Karen for the first time. And, and he's awesome, too. And, and so now we're going to keep in touch as the season um, gets closer. And, you know, I definitely talked to the, the AAA guys quite a bit um, just because we kind of help each other out with roster moves. Um, you know, even if they aren't public yet, it helps us to know who to expect on our roster that night. Um, if we can't announce the move at six o'clock, it's nice to know at two o'clock and have information ready for them. Um, so, right. so it is, it is cool to see those kind of upper level guys helping us up um, at the double A level. Yeah. Heidi, Josh Cantor is on our list for people I want to interview the organist for Fenway. Yes. But anyway, he, as he an does, aside. Im, he does improv like music. I, like, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's amazing. Yeah. You have to have him on. He's awesome. So we'll have right. to drop your name. Um, yeah. Get on that. <laughs> yeah. he's touring with someone now. anyway this is not what we're talking about no you brought it up bye <laughs> the, the amount of detail involved in your job baffles me like that's amazing I would never be able to do this but it's it's cool because you get to know all this stuff about the players uh and then baseball gives you plenty of time to talk about it that's true I don't know. I'm, I'm very impressive. I can't retain stats about Luke, let alone a whole team and so, yeah, other teams. True. And, we, <laughs> and we're not on a bus either. So no, this is also true. Thank God. Now, coming from Texas, you can hear a little bit of an accent in your voice. 
is that something you try to hide during a broadcast or is it just, this is who I am, take it or leave it? So, at, I mean, as any Texan will tell you, I'm a proud Texan. Um, but when it comes to my accent, I, I do try and hide it um, because not that I'm not proud of it because I am very proud to be from Texas, but um, I've known broadcasters who, you know, they were interviewing for a job in Texas with a, a team in Texas and they didn't get it because they didn't have a strong enough Texan accent and, you know, vice versa for other people around the country. So I felt if I could do middle of the road, I could be okay. Um, I will never drop the word y'all out of my vocabulary. I get a lot of weird looks up here in Maine whenever I say, Oh, how are y'all doing tonight? Um, but that's one, I just can't get rid of it. I just, I've tried, it's just not going away. So that will stick with me. Um, But if I ever do get a job in Texas and, you know, maybe the Rangers someday call, I can definitely let out the Texan accent full full scale and and, and fit in again with Texas. But right now I I try to kind of keep it it under wraps, uh, especially up here in Maine. You're 10 gallon, I got it. One of the things I think that what I, I found you was referencing the fact, and I hate that we have to ask this question, but that's our job to ask questions. Um, mention the fact that you're one of the few women to call games anywhere. Do you see that changing? What is that like? Has it been difficult? Obviously, others have come before you, but you're still hardly crowded on top of that mountain. Yeah, I think... I mean, it, it definitely has been difficult. Um, you know, I used to kind of brush off a lot of the stuff that, you know, was either said to me or about me and, um, you know, I was just like, ah, you know, I'll just keep moving. But now I think I can be more open about my experiences because I think that's where we are as a society now is I think we're just moving towards hopefully more equality. I mean, granted, it's a slowly, uh, slow and steady <laughs> yeah. uh, societal change, but we're hopefully getting there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that for me, the most difficulty and, and the most roadblocks that I saw was just breaking into affiliated baseball. Um, you know, I, I spent three seasons, um, with a summer collegiate with two different summer collegiate teams, one in Alaska, one in Oregon. And I thought I set myself up really nicely to, to be a, a very good candidate for a, a minor league job after that. And, you know, I had a lot of interviews in my interviews looked a lot different than my male colleagues of, you know, theirs was more kind of shooting the breeze and mine was more baseball technical and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, even one said he couldn't hire me because his, his, uh, his ownership and or the big league club uh, would never hire a female broadcaster. And it was just like, what? Like, first off, that doesn't make any sense, but no, um, right. So it's it not a like, like thank you for your honesty in that instance. <laughs> <laughs> Just reel that back in. <laughs> yeah. It, at that point, I was like, I don't even need your honesty. Just lie and say I right. wasn't a great fit. Like exactly. Yeah. Just it don't was all a headache. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, like, and some people were like, and you didn't sue over that. I was like, I can't, I can't sue or do anything at that point. Cause I was still trying to break in. Right. Um, right. And so, you know, it, it took a little bit longer, but you know, I have found the, the fantastic organizations. I was with the St. Paul saints and, and then Lexington and now with, with Portland. And so once I did break into to affiliated baseball, I really had no issues with players, with staff, everyone's very welcoming because I think, at the player level and the baseball development, I mean, you see the women now in the dugouts, you see women, you know, as trainers and nutritionists and stuff. And so 
for a female broadcaster and for a female in the in the booth and with them in the clubhouse and on the buses and stuff it's not that big of a deal to them it's only a big deal for the the people hiring and sometimes an occasional listener is not used to to turning on the radio and hearing a female voice um so I, I think it just really has come from the organizations themselves of hiring versus the actual baseball side of things. It's actually been very welcoming. Yeah. In the different clubs that you've worked with, have, has your style been different? Have you had to alter your style based where you were as far as style of delivery, not your fashion sense or anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> the fashion sense in minor league baseball is consistently polos and khakis. So look <laughs> <laughs> Um, but when it comes to the style of my broadcasting, I think if anything, you know, I haven't consciously changed anything. I've gotten much more confident behind the mic and confident and letting my own personality come through. Um, you know, I haven't had a partner since 2017 in the booth. So it's just been me talking to myself for the last five or six years. Um, and so I think in that time I've realized like, you know what, I'm pretty cool. I'm kind of funny. And I'm pretty good at broadcasting sports. And so if I can have all those things work for me, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty good listen if I do say so myself. And if I, (laughs) if I mess up and you know, I'm the first one to point out my mistake, I'll apologize, make a joke and we'll keep on moving. Um, So it's not like you're going to hear a stuck up broadcast, uh, you know, and it's very traditional. You'll hear some, you know, hopefully it's just like your friend is telling you what's going on at the ballpark instead of a true traditional broadcast. Tessie is the royal root is rally cry. Tessie is the tune they always sung. Tessie echoed April through October nights after serenade installed in Nain and Young. Tessie For more information on Emma, you can follow her on Twitter, where she's at Emma Tides. That's Emma T-I-E-D-S. And you can follow the Portland Sea Dogs, where they are at Portland Sea Dogs. You can check us out on all the various socials. Be sure to visit our website, and don't forget to leave us a review. Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant producers are John Sauvet and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here, Nigel?